Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Well, hello again, friends, and welcome on into a melancholy and the infinite sadness installment of the Sco Show. Mark Schofield back with you for today, Monday, October 4th, 2021. And as you are well aware by now, a football game was indeed played on Sunday night in front of a massive audience. Ratings came out. Apparently, it was the biggest Sunday night game since 2012. New England Patriots fall in a in a valiant effort 1917 to Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We're going to do a couple of things in today's show. We're going to talk about the game sort of on the whole. We're going to talk a lot about Mac Jones. We're going to talk about some decisions. And in the second half of the show, I'm going to focus on the run game. Because in talking to other people, doing some other shows, early on Monday... The run game seems to be a focus of attention right now, so I want to talk about the run game. But before we do any of that, your usual cavalcade of reminders. Please do follow along with the hijinks at Mark Schofield on the Bird app. You can follow the workplaces like Touchdown Wire, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group, Big Blue View, Bleeding Green Nation, Pat's Pulpit, Blog and the Boys. Got a lot of places to find the content. And look, if you're listening to the show, you probably have done so already. But if not, subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. It's just Mark Schofield. YouTube.com slash C slash Mark Schofield. I try to keep things nice, easy, and tight and tidy for you. And and so you can check out longer breakdowns. Go over there. The, the blog and the boy stuff goes. Go on there. YouTube channel. But created a ton of content. Hopefully the people enjoy it. Let's talk big picture. If you would have told me going into this weekend that the New England Patriots would be down by two with a chance to either take the lead and or win with just under two minutes to left in this game, I would have said, fantastic. I will take that in a heartbeat. If you would have told me that the Buccaneers would be like one of four on red zone drives, I would have taken that in a heartbeat. If you would have told me that the Buccaneers would score 19 points in this game, I would have taken it in a heartbeat. If you would have told me that Tom Brady 
would not throw a touchdown pass on the night, and Mac Jones would throw two, I would have taken it in a heartbeat. And I think many Patriots would have taken that in a heartbeat on, say, Friday afternoon. You were told all of that going in. You would have taken that in a heartbeat. The problem is, there are no moral victories in this game. And for those that want to come out and say, look, Mac Jones, I'll play Tom Brady, or the Patriots played like the better team, that's great. It sounds nice. Might feel good. They lost. They lost a game that, frankly, they should have won. I had a blast Sunday night doing this game with, with John Ledyard. Um, that's a grind, my friends. Going the whole four hours or so, going the distance. It's a bit of a grind. But it was a blast. And John and I, and John covers the Buccaneers, although he's a Steelers fan from the Pittsburgh area. And we just kept commenting throughout the course of that game that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers basically kept shooting themselves in the foot. You know, they were penalized seven times for 74 yards. They were 9 of 19 on third downs, which means on so many of their possessions, they got themselves into third and long situations. They had a chance, Antonio Brown, on a great throw from Tom Brady, had a chance to ice that game. But he dropped it. Cameron Braid had some drops. Mike Evans had some drops. Brady missed some throws in this game, missed some throws high, perhaps due to the weather. All these missed opportunities added up for the New England Patriots, and they cannot take advantage. And the main one now that I do want to focus on is the injury front. Richard Sherman was a podcaster five days ago, eight days ago. He basically comes in off the street, his first game back in the NFL, plays 98% of the defensive snaps, 58 snaps. You had other guys go down defensively in the cornerback spot in particular. So you're seeing guys like Ross Cockrell play a ton. They had to turn to Pierre Desir to play a ton in this game. And there were opportunities to make plays. Particularly in the passing game. You're throwing against guys that, you know, were on the street a week ago. Now, to their credit, they did do some of it, particularly when Pierre Desir had to come into the game, right? You had a stretch in the second half where they went after him on like three out of five plays. They went right after him in the passing game. One of those was a catch by Nikhil Harry on a second five play. That came at the 137 mark of the third quarter off of play action. Mac Jones, you know, hits him on a curl route, working back towards the football against Peter Sears. So they did do some of that. But then you get the decisions at the end, right? And my great friend, Joe Ferriola, who works at NFL Next Gen Stats, he sent me the data like pretty much as that game was wrapping up, you know, with the tagline, in case you want to cover the decision-making. There was the fourth and two delay of game with two minutes left in the first half. 
where they took the delay game and then punted. Win if you go, 54.5%. Win if you punt, 49.5%. So a recommendation of 5.1% to go for it. That was according to NFL's next-gen stats. Then there was decision on the 56-yard field goal. Win if you go, 34.7%. Win if you kick the field goal, 24.3%. Recommendation, go for it by 10.3%. A rather hefty endorsement for going for it in that situation. And you're in a situation where certainly, as we're going to talk about, they couldn't run the ball. But it's three yards. It's three yards, number one. And you've had some completions. You just had a completion. Jacoby Myers spins Richard Sherman around on the second and ten play to get you into third and seven. It's just a simple out route. And Myers does a fantastic job at getting into the blind spot because it's man coverage, but he's playing off man. And he has a zone drop, Sherman does on this. And Myers does a tremendous job to get into that blind spot so Sherman cannot find him. Mac Jones makes a good time in rhythm anticipation throw. Gets you seven yards. You get the third and three. You know, this is one that stands. You have the little stack rub concept. Vertical release and the slant. And it's tipped at the line of scrimmage. If this isn't tipped by Levante David... I am telling you from watching the All-22 right now, Myers probably gets it down to at least the 25-yard line. Because of the way this coverage plays out, he's got space to go. Safety's driving down and handle on it. Now, maybe there's a tackle made at the 30, but either way, you're picking up the first down with a minute to go. But Levante David makes an athletic play to tip it. You've got fourth and three. You've now... Got the seven-yard gain on first down. I mean, excuse me, on second down. On first down, Mac Jones kind of missed a throw a little bit to the outside of Jacoby Myers. Second down, you get the completion of Myers we talked about. Third down, you had Myers open. The numbers back up the idea that you go for it. It's also a lawn field goal try in the rain with a minute left. And even if you convert it, you will have a one-point lead. It was, you can say, a conservative decision. Now, look, it's Bill Belichick, greatest coach of all time. I get it. But it was a conservative decision. Let's talk about Mac Jones. I know, again, a lot of the discussion right now is Mac Jones. How well did he play? You know, is he bad? Is he great? Did he outplay Tom Brady? You know, there's there's a lot of different ways to, to look at his game. I want to talk about the interception which I think was the right read. It's that safety splitter against two men. He made the right read. He made the right read on this. The defender underneath and underneath coverage, Ross Cockrell, Quincy Avery had a fantastic breakdown of an, an interception that Lamar Jackson threw on a very similar play. That cover two man coverage, right? Where you've got that underneath defender and trail technique against that safety splitter. Quincy Avery told, described that defender as 
a monument defender. He is a statue. He is not going to get his head around. Ross Cockrell got his head around. He got his head around and was able to tip this ball at the catch point, deflecting it away from Nelson Aguilar. It gets intercepted by Antonio Winfield. But it was the right read. You did have a problem up front. There was a problem up front in this game where you had a free rusher. They had a really good package called on this play to attack the right side of the offensive line. Vita Vea aligns in the B-gap between David Andrews, the center, and Shaq Mason, the guard, but he comes right into Andrews. You get Devin White untouched through the A-gap. They slide Mason, and they slide right tackle Justin Heron out to the right because you have Nadomik and Sue in the B-gap between Mason and Heron. You have Shaq Barrett to the outside of him. So they slide the protection that way. Devin White comes untouched through the B-gap. But then what do they do? Sue stays upfield. They loop Barrett around behind White into the B-gap as well. It's basically two on three. The running back, Brandon Bolden, he fans to the outside as well. But when Barrett's now dipping into the inside, there's no one for him to block. And you've basically got, White gets there first, but you've basically got two guys with a free shot at Mac Jones. To his credit, he hangs in there, makes a throw that nine times out of ten, because that defender in that position is that monument defender, it's going to get completed. This one wasn't. This one wasn't, because the defender made a good play. You had the two touchdowns. I know that there is a ton of discussion, as always, as there always has been, about, you know, Matt Jones, is he attacking downfield? Is he aggressive enough? Is he too conservative enough? Were there opportunities to hit on plays downfield? Yeah, there were. There were opportunities to take some more aggressive throws. Early in the second quarter, third and four, you've got verticals from both Jacoby Myers and Nelson Aguilar. He takes a check down to Brandon Bolden and gets the first out. But... The vertical routes were there. There have been opportunities in other games to take shot plays downfield, but he takes the vertical route. I mean, he takes the checkdowns. On a night like like Sunday night, maybe that's the right approach, but he's going to need to continue to learn to balance all of this. Balance the time to take some shot plays with the time that you really sort of should check it down. You know, the, the Taylor fumble, that was probably a, a smart time to check it down. Why? You're running stick to the left side, the vertical route from Kendrick Bourne. Pierre Dressier is giving him a 10-yard cushion, so you're not throwing that. And then you've got the swing route and a spot route. The check down there is the right decision. Receiver just has to hang on to the football. There was another check down in this game that we can talk about. It's a third and 14 situation early in the first quarter, 9-27 mark. He checks it down to Brandon Bolden. You've got vertical routes. There's nowhere for him to go downfield. It's third and 14. Everything's capped. 
there is a seam route from Jacoby Myers that comes open up the right hash mark after he's thrown the ball. But there's nowhere for him to go with it. And so, of course, we would keep tracking Mac Jones and, you know, throwing the football. Is he aggressive enough? That That's going to be a topic of conversation. I think he's been solid. I think he's been solid for a rookie quarterback in his fourth NFL start. I think he's been solid. Has he been the best of the rookies? Probably. I mean, Lawrence had a, had a really good game Thursday night. Wilson had a good game Sunday. Um, Fields had a pretty good game Sunday. I, I think he's been the most consistent performer of the bunch. But he's very much the like floor versus ceiling guy in, in that group. And that's what we thought going in. The issue is going to be what they were going to put in place around him. And it hasn't quite lived up to what we hoped from the offensive line, which we'll talk a little bit more about in the run game in a couple minutes. Some pass protection woes. You know, they did have one sack of him, which was just a tremendous uh, tackle end exchange where Vita Vea just pancaked Isaiah Wynn, and then JTS came around, looped around to the inside, and it was just a great play. There were some that there were overload looks attacking the right side. Trent Brown coming back will be a massive boost for this offensive line, I think. Now, there are concerns about the run game. I'm going to talk about that next. But by and large, look, there are no moral victories in this sport. Is it great that it came down to the wire? Yeah. Did I expect it to come down to the wire? No, I, I didn't. I thought this was a game that, that could have been over early. But instead, they hunt in there, and that's great. But they could have won that game, and they didn't, and that stinks. Anyway, next we're going to talk heavy run game focus. That is ahead here in episode 208, a melancholy in the infinite sadness installment of the Sco Show. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Mark Schofield back with you here now on a melancholy in the infinite sadness installment of the Sco Show. And first things first, the, the the toss play that just tear it out of the playbook. That's that's kind of ton in cheek. But if any of you were were kind enough or interested and checked out the live stream that John Ledger and I did, which I said was a ton of fun, it was a long grind. I have a newfound respect for the guys in the booth that that do this. It's a grind, but it was a ton of fun. Both teams struggled to run toss plays to the edge. And John and I actually discussed this during the game, right? With the emphasis on speed, athleticism, now on both sides of the football, it's hard to get that play to the edge because the athletes on the other side of the ball are fast. First run play, first and 10 at the 9.55 mark. Damian Harris tossed to the left that goes for minus four, right? The first problem is you've got a condensed formation to run this out of. And Joe Tryon Shoyanka, he aligns in that wide nine alignment over Nikhil Harry. That's how far outside he is. And he does a tremendous job working against Harry at initially setting an edge. 
And beyond that, he then basically, in a lunging attempt to try to make the tackle on Harris, takes out the two lead blockers because they they pull Michael Owenu, they pulled Jakob Johnson as the lead guy in front of this because they're running out of the 21 personnel I group. JTS makes a fantastic play, but then the cavalry arrives. First with Carlton Davis, then with the dual linebackers. They just do a great job at stringing this out, but it starts with JTS, and it really starts with running this from a condensed formation on the left hash mark to the left side. There's not a lot of real estate. Now, I know offensive play callers like to think, well, you like to run that into the boundary because there's less room for the defense to string you out. That's great, but you still at least have to get the edge. They can't get it here because of what JTS does, both pre-snap with his alignment and then post-snap with how he handles Nikhil Harry. So that's the first run and play to talk about. Second run play, Jonathan Taylor, another run to the left edge on a toss. And it's the same kind of thing. This time, though, they run it right hash to the left side, try to do it out of a condensed formation, and try to get the crack block from Jacoby Myers on the safety Whitehead that's down in the box. Whitehead plays it strong and physical through contact, spins away. He's able to set an edge. Dominican, no, it's not the Dominican Sue. It's Will Golston who chases this down the line. You get Carlton Davis flowing downhill. That gets stopped for no gain. We talk about a Damian Harris run at the end of the second quarter. This is just a lead delay to the right side. And this gets blown up again by Whitehead, who comes down, not only takes himself through the initial blocker at the point of attack, who's again a wide receiver, this time Kendrick Bourne, but then drives right through Jakob Johnson, who's probably not expecting Whitehead to be in his lap at that point. And you get a tackle for a loss. The best run play they had was that sort of orbit swing to Nelson Aguilar. It was a four-yard gain. They couldn't run the football. The thing to keep in mind, though, this is a Buccaneers team that is very good at stopping the run, particularly when Vita Vea is healthy. Week one, Dallas Cowboys ran for 60 yards. Week two, Atlanta, 55. Week three, the Rams ran for 76. So they had yet to give up 100 yards rushing anyway. Not that, like, a cumulative counting stat like yards rushing is, you know, the be-all and end-all of it. But they are a good team against the run. Now, New England ran for minus one yard. That's anemic. It's woeful. But if you think back to week one in Dallas and their game plan against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, it was, we're not going to run at them. We've got Ezekiel Elliott. We don't care. We're going to keep the football on the ground. And we'll lose. So we can't do that. We're going to put the football up. We're going to put it in Dak Prescott's hands. And I think that was that's a critical component to this in the sort of struggles on the ground that we saw Sunday night. That was a very good run defense. So good that teams like Dallas earlier in the year basically said, we're going to scrap the run game this week. Now, it's easier to do that when you have a veteran passer like Dak Prescott than it is to, say, with Mac Jones, put the game in his hand. You probably want to keep trying to 
establish the run a little bit, but it was apparent pretty early from these plays what we're talking about, they couldn't get anything going on the ground. They had to put this game in Mac Jones's hands. And he completed 31 of 40 for 275, two touchdowns and an interception. Now, yes, the yardage per attempt and all that stuff, it isn't great. He's a rookie quarterback making his fourth start. Would it be nice if they could have a get-right game? Would it be nice if they could have an opportunity to sort things out on both sides of the football, maybe go up against a rookie quarterback of their own, right? Somebody else who's making just one of his, you know, one of the first few starts of his career. That would be fantastic, right? That would be absolutely ideal. We would love that. Well, I have good news for you, friends. Because next Sunday, New England Patriots will get that opportunity. They will get that get-right opportunity when they travel to Houston to take on the Houston Texans, who are a team that is struggling. Yes, they won week one against Jacksonville. That game might have taught us more about Jacksonville and and Urban Meyer than perhaps we were previously aware of. But then they lose to Cleveland. They played Cleveland tough. But then Tyrod Taylor is going down. You have to turn to Davis Mills. They lose on Thursday night on a short week to Carolina. And then, you know, on Sunday, they go to Buffalo and just get trounced. 40 to nothing. Only managed 61 passing yards, 48 rushing yards. And this is a get-right opportunity. So we will turn the page quickly and start thinking about the Houston Texans because there are no moral victories. It was nice that they hung with the Buccaneers, the defending world champions, on Sunday night, but they could have won that game. They didn't win that game. It's going to annoy me for a while, so I need to turn the page. My cardiologist ordered me to do so. How about that? You get a get-right opportunity. We're going to talk about the Houston Texans on Wednesday. Until then, friends, stay safe, wash your hands, check it on your neighbors, check it on your loved ones, and wash those hands. Sit along, and bless those Patriots' reigns down at Foxborough.